Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church. This is the Sunday School lesson that we're going to present on August 14th, 2022. Um, as a reminder, be praying for our teachers and our uh, school-aged children because school uh, probably has started by this point. And in some places, it may be a little later, some places a little earlier, but um, watch the school zones as you're driving to and from work and places like that. But also remember to pray for uh, our kids as they're in school and uh, also for teachers. It's a very difficult job to teach children now. And um, it's uh, always amazing to me how fast time goes by and how fast the summers go by. And that's because I'm an adult. Do you remember how long it took for summer to get here when you were a kid, as well as Christmas and other things like that? And uh, then you remember how fast summer would go by and uh, then it was time for school again. And you may have liked school and looked forward to that. I didn't particularly. And we moved so much, we were always going into a new place and it was kind of difficult uh, going to a new school and a new church and all of that. So as you uh, pray for kids, pray about that kind of stuff too. A lot of people are transient. A lot of people are moving into an area or away from an area and that all has its difficulties and uh, maybe the Lord will give us a way to minister to that. But pray for our own children's activities as well. We appreciate so much all of the people who worked uh, camps and uh, uh, Melissa and Shanley having special activities for our kids on Wednesday nights and also uh, other things like that. So very important. Pray for Awana this year as it goes on. And I know that uh, those of you who are watching this are not children's teachers, but what goes on in your class certainly does affect the children's department because if parents don't come, then that means the children can't come. And pray for them because what goes on in the children's department affects your class. Because if the kids aren't happy and the parents aren't happy with what's going on, they quit coming to your class as well. So we're a team and we all work together. So uh, I would appreciate you praying for the entire Sunday school and uh, ministry as a unit. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, get into our lesson. We called it Take Advantage of Turmoil. Uh, I feel a little bit uh, liberal here. Um, I think it was Rahm Emanuel, Barack Obama's chief of staff and later the mayor of Chicago. He made the statement, never let a crisis go to waste. In other words, you can take advantage of a crisis to promote something. And in their case, uh, many times it was something I didn't agree with or think that was right or good or moral even. But then I thought, for Christians, should we not have our eyes out for the same thing? And we do that because we do things in the aftermath, say, of a tornado that would be very difficult to do at any other time. And we are able sometimes to help people when they are out of work or when they've had a death in the family or when they're in the hospital that would be very difficult to do under normal circumstances. So the, the statement, don't let a crisis go to waste, or in this case, where we say take advantage of turmoil because God allows that to happen in people's life and involves us in it for a reason. And it's a great time to witness. Now, where am I getting that? Daniel chapter four. We're going to be looking at verses one through 19. 
And we spent last week showing that even though Nebuchadnezzar showed some understanding and it's like the lights were starting to come on, it was uh, very clear that he wasn't actually saved yet, that he had not come to that place. But God is moving him there. And that's what uh, this fourth chapter, the first part of it, really is about. What will it take to get Nebuchadnezzar saved, to get him right with God? Now, many times we share testimonies about this uh, thing that happened that brought us to Christ. But let's be honest, most of the time it's not a certain thing that does it. It's actually a process, a series of events. It takes time for people to hear the gospel and then to come to the place of trusting Christ. That's true for most people. It's not, again, not always, but most of the time it is. And that's why we talk about the process of sowing, watering, and reaping, right? When a farmer goes out and plants his crop, he doesn't bring the combine uh, with his tractor for planting it because it's going to be a while before the crop comes in. There's got to be other stuff that takes place and time has to pass and there has to be a, you know, a sprouting of the seed and then a growth of the plant and then the plant uh, will um, you know, blossom or put on fruit or you know, whatever it might be, depending on what we're talking about. And then the harvest time comes. And that's the way it is with people, sowing, watering, and reaping, the apostle Paul told the Corinthians. Now think about this, Nebuchadnezzar is perplexed and he's angry and his pagan wise men have no answers. And then God shows his power through his servants. Now, how many times has that already happened as we've been looking at the life of Daniel? And because we believe in the sovereignty of God, he's in absolute control of everything that happens. And because we know and believe and embrace Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purposes, then that means if Nebuchadnezzar is indeed elect, as it turns out he was, then that means everything he goes through, every turmoil he goes through, every fit of depression or every fit of anger, everything that happens in his life, it's working together for his good. Now let's also look at the other side of the coin. That means that everything Nebuchadnezzar does, every time he threatens somebody's life, every time he's upset, every time he's angry. Remember, he had absolute power as a king. And every time that touched Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's life, was that not also a Romans 8:28 moment? And so I would say to you that God is going to put the people in your class and people in your neighborhood and people in your family that you are trying to witness to, they're going to go through some tough circumstances and you're going to go through it as well. And that's where you have to believe that it's all for a purpose and that it is Romans 8, 28 working together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose and salvation would certainly be his purpose. And so um, we should never ever as the people of God be afraid and we should seize opportunities and even welcome some of these opportunities. Now, I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. I'm not praying for anything bad to happen to anybody. But if it does, it may open a door 
for ministry. It may open a door to uh, share the gospel. And so we ought to be ready for that because these are opportunities we ought to seize to glorify God. And so to help us with that, we're going to have a series of questions as we look at this particular passage of scripture. Okay, question number one, and we'll ask the question, then we'll read the verses. Number one, where could God be working that seems impossible? Where could God be working that seems impossible? Now, uh, Chuck Swindoll, I believe it was, says that God gives us a series of opportunities brilliantly disguised as impossibilities. Brilliantly disguised or camouflaged as impossibilities. Isn't that the truth? And we look at this situation, and who do you think is going to get saved out of the book of Daniel? Who do you think God is going to use Daniel and his friends to reach? Now, without knowing the story, I'm going to say that most of us would put King Nebuchadnezzar as the last one on the, lead, on the list. And yet, this is where God is working. And so we begin reading in verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages. He's the king of an empire, after all. Very, very influential. And he says that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. This sounds like something the apostle Paul would write, not a pagan king, doesn't it? Peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good, verse 2, to declare the signs and the wonders which the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Now, that is just a reminder to us. God can work anywhere, anytime, in any way that he chooses. We should never, ever give up on people. Never stop witnessing. Never stop praying. Never lose hope in dealing with them until they draw their last breath because nothing is impossible with God. And think about this God who sent his son and raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, can you imagine that this is a God who can ever find a limitation? And the answer is no. And we forget that sometimes as we witness and as we pray for people and we give up on all of them. This is uh, written as a kind of summation as Nebuchadnezzar recounts his experience. And so this is a, uh, these few verses we just read, kind of uh, a prequel. You know, you watch Star Wars and you watch this situation. And then later on, they come out with the prequel, they call them, that tells you the backstory behind what you've already seen. Well, that's what Nebuchadnezzar is doing here. He's telling you, I've got something to say to you, and I need to tell you all of the nations of the earth what happened and about my experience and encounter with God. And then he is going to share the story. God was working when no one suspected it. When uh, Nebuchadnezzar was throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the burning fiery furnace, that didn't look like a work of God. That didn't look like God was doing anything, anything in Nebuchadnezzar's life, but he was. And in his encounters with Daniel and the dreams and all of that, it didn't look very much like he was open or susceptible, but he was. God was working. Someone said, this proud old pagan king has finally been brought down 
and he definitely has a testimony. It says in verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king to all the peoples, nations, men of every language that live in all the earth, may your peace abound. And it's, it has seemed good to me to declare the signs, the wonders of the Most High God, which the Most High God has done for me. Now, remember last week, Nebuchadnezzar was willing to acknowledge God, but he always called him the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God of Daniel, the God of, you know, the Jews. But this is so much more personal as he talks about these things. So it's interesting uh, when you look at this and you're watching the um, tail end of the story, I guess you would say. This is kind of how it ends. Now he's going to go back and he's going to tell you the beginning. It's as if he's saying, I have something uh, to say. I have something that has happened to me. God has done great things in my life. And Wayne Barber is uh, the one that I'm quoting there. And that's what we have to understand. That's why it seems awkward and a little bit out of order. Number two, after we've established the fact that God could be working in an impossible situation, because that's what he does. Number two, what is happening to disturb the world? Uh, we would like to have everything be nice and calm and peachy keen and hunky-dory and all of those kind of things. And yet the truth of the matter is God tends to work when the world is shaken up. Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house, flourishing in my palace, and I saw a dream which made me afraid. See, the world is getting... Um, in turmoil, shaken up, especially the king. And the thoughts on my bed and the visions in my head, they troubled me. Isn't it amazing that when people get into that situation, all of a sudden they seem to have an openness to spiritual things, an openness to what the Bible might say, an openness to what God might say and what the people of God have to say. And that's exactly what happened here once again. Same song, second verse, a dream, he's troubled, no one can answer him, and so he's open to the truth of the word of God. So Nebuchadnezzar, this man who is apparently uninterested in what God says until he is troubled, well, he's not alone. That's kind of the way we all live. And when we are in troubled times, we should use it as an opportunity. I think Right now in the United States of America, where uh, nearly 70% of Americans say America is on the wrong track, that means they're troubled, they're burdened, inflation is costing them more and it's eating up their budget. The lower stock market is threatening their retirement. Problems with Russia, Ukraine, and problems with China and their threat to invade Taiwan and all of this kind of stuff is really a great opportunity for us to talk about a higher king than the president of the United States or the president of Russia or the president of China. And we have a certainty and we have a foundation on which we stand, a rock that we can cast our faith upon. And so when we're in troubled times, we should see it as an opportunity. And when others are troubled, that may be an open door that didn't exist even yesterday or the day before. So instead of us getting caught up into all of the trouble and the turmoil and the sadness and the problems in the world, 
Let's look at it this way. If Romans 8, 28 is true and it involves us and we're involved in the troubles of this world, then it's working together for our good and for God's glory. That's what's happening with Daniel. He could, uh, can you imagine? Oh, no, not again. Good heavens. What is the deal with this king? No, Daniel is there ready to answer, ready to be used. Third question, number three. Where does God's word bring clarity out of confusion? And this is why on the second Sunday of each month in our plow acrostic, we've been taking that as learning and we're going through the video series, Road Trip to Truth. It's uh, uh, on the 14th. In fact, we're going to be talking about how radical environmentalism is, in fact, a religion. And we've got to be able to answer those kind of things because everything that's going on in the world is not working and not working well. And yet we have an answer. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And he's provided this for us. And yes, we should be good stewards of it, but we've got to be able to answer people who are scared to death that we're going to destroy the world and uh, it's not going to be destroyed until God's ready for that. See what I mean? And so clarity is brought out of confusion by the word of God. So I encourage you to be here for uh, that Sunday night and that particular video. Uh, Notice in verse six, therefore Nebuchadnezzar said, I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Yawn, we've seen this before, haven't we? Well, the king is in turmoil. And instead of us looking at that and going, yeah, we've been here before. Yeah, it'll probably be like before. Well, maybe not this time. And there are people all around you. They may be going through trouble for the 15th time. And we go, oh, here we go again. Can't you see you're your own worst enemy here? But this may be God opening the door for us, like in this story. Number seven, or verse seven says, Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation, because they couldn't. Same song, second verse. But here we go again. The word but is a contrast here. Verse eight, but at last Daniel came in before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. These are the visions of my head while on my bed I was looking and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great and the tree grew and became strong and its height reached to the heavens and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant and in it was food for all. The beast of the field found shelter or shade underneath it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches and all flesh was fed from it. And I saw in the visions in my head while on my bed, kind of rhymes a little bit, doesn't it? And there was a watcher 
<coughs> a holy one coming down from heaven. And he cried aloud and said thus, chop down the tree, cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in tender grass of the field and let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beast. Well, trees don't normally graze. What could this be speaking of? Graze with the beast on the grass of the earth and let his heart be changed from that of a man and let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times, seven years, pass over him. That's a long time. And this decision is made by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he will and sets it over the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. A lot of verses and a lot of words. And we start off talking about a tree that is big, that is seen from afar off, has fruit, has the animals and all of those kind of things. And then someone comes from heaven as an angel and says, chop the tree down, but leave the roots. And then it personalizes everything to where we realize whatever this dream may mean, it's not really talking about a tree in the forest, but that is the symbol because it turns into personification, the symbol of a person and something about a kingdom. Now this involves Nebuchadnezzar, so you can imagine how this would certainly be disturbing to him. So Nebuchadnezzar had no answer for any of this. The wise men had no answer and nothing made any sense to anybody on this. Do you think that in the world we're living in today, look at everything that has hit us just kind of in the last five years or so. And think about all of the confusion and all of the social upheaval and emotional upheaval and spiritual upheaval that is taking place because people can't figure out what gender they are or um, your sexuality is just all over the place and the heartache and the pain and even things like, uh, well, now we've got another sexually transmitted disease, monkeypox. I mean, what, what in the world's going on? And the economy doesn't seem to make sense. World events don't make sense. Uh, what, what's happening here? Well, maybe this is an opportunity. And so when people don't have answers, that's where we can step in and be ready to give an answer, as Peter told us, for the hope that resides in us. So Daniel, as a man of God, was sought out, and the king asked him for an interpretation. And remember, our calling is not to interpret dreams, but to give biblical answers no matter what. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 13, it says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? 
That means watching, ready, excited all the time about doing what's right. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense. In other words, give an answer. The Greek word is apologia. Not to apologize, but to defend what you believe. Okay? Anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Now, if you back up in that verse, uh, in 1 Peter, uh, you notice here we're to be able to give an answer. That means we've got to learn. And then it says, for the hope that is in you. Now, when times are good and everything makes sense and everything is in order and everybody's doing well, then everybody's hopeful. You don't stick out. But when times are in turmoil and you still have hope, like Daniel did in the midst of this, all of a sudden you stick out like a sore thumb and people are going to be asking you questions. See the strategy that God has? I'm going to send my gospel out. I'm going to save my elect. I'm going to do a great work for the glory of my name. How are you going to do it, Lord? I'm going to make everything a mess and my people will stand out as the ones filled with hope. And then the pagans will ask, why do you have hope? And where did you get this hope? How do you manage? How do you cope with all of this? And they'll tell them about me and my gospel will go forth. So see, there's a strategy here. And we're living in those kind of times, aren't we? Number four, where must the people of God be bold and yet wise? We're not always to be bold, but we're always to be wise. And our wisdom should control us, not our emotions, not any threat that we might feel, not any passion that we may have. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Paul even said to the church at Corinth, the spirit of the prophets, those with the gift of prophecy, is subject unto the prophets. Jesus said that we need to be wise as serpents and yet harmless as doves. The apostle James tells us, or the book of James, pardon me, tells us that we are to be slow to speak, but swift to hear and slow to wrath. And so if we operate just by our reaction to everything around us and all of that, we're probably going to mess up. There's a time for everything, Solomon said, under heaven. And there's a time to be bold, and there's also a time to wait and a time to be wise in all of this. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. So Daniel's got an open door wide enough to drive a Mack truck through, doesn't he? So Nebuchadnezzar recognized the difference between his wise men and Daniel, and that is the Spirit of God. And the world 
ought to recognize us too as being indwelt by God himself. And the irony is the king tried to convert Daniel while God was drawing the king. Where'd I get that? Belteshazzar. The king changed Daniel and uh, the three friends' names because he was going to convert them to the Babylonian religion, Babylonian language, and Babylonian culture. And yet, in this, the exact opposite is happening. Folks, I think we ought to be concerned about everything going on in our world, but we should not be afraid of it. God may be using this to answer our prayers for a spiritual awakening in our nation, but we've got to be wise, don't we? Now, the interpretation was troubling even to Daniel. He didn't like what he was going to have to say. And it does get uncomfortable sometimes telling people the truth. And he was thinking about it. He's counting the cost, as Jesus told us, and not just rushing in like a bull in a china closet. In the book of Proverbs, verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 28, it says, Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Now, think about this. Abraham Lincoln, capitalizing on that verse, said, It's better to be silent and thought a fool, a fool than it is to speak and remove all doubt. He got that from Solomon. Well, Daniel is careful about all of this. He doesn't just go rushing in, as we say, where angels fear to tread, even to the point that Nebuchadnezzar gives him permission and an opportunity by telling him, look, whatever it is, just tell me the truth. He could tell Daniel was troubled by all of this. And, uh, you know, when you think about this, we've got to be bold and we've got to speak hard truths. We don't always have to be doing that, though. There's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. There's a time to be careful. There's a time to reason out what we're going to say and pray about what we're going to say instead of just rushing in and spiritually punching them in the face and then wondering why they get defensive. We've got to be very, very careful about all of this. Nebuchadnezzar, or pardon me, Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. Now, Daniel knew the truth and Daniel told the truth. But notice how respectful he is to Nebuchadnezzar. He could have called him a reprobate. He could have called him a pervert. He could have called him any number of things. And yet he didn't. He's respectful and he's even compassionate to him. May this happen to your enemies and not to you. But here's the truth and here's the interpretation. Uh, think about what Paul said in Romans 9, 1 through 3. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have, ready for this, great sorrow and increasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. What is he saying? I carry around a great burden for somebody. Who is it, Paul? My kinsmen according to the flesh. His family? Of course it would be his family. But it's expanded more than that 
it's for all of his fellow Jews, all of his fellow Israelis. He wants them to be saved, even to the point of saying, I would trade places and go to hell for them if it meant they could go to heaven. Man, what a great guy. Question, do you have any kind of burden for anybody, anywhere? Would you make that statement like Paul did? Why did Paul make that statement? Because he was a great guy? No, because that's the pattern that Christ set for him. Christ, the innocent one, went to the cross and became accursed for us. And Paul is just being Christ-like. He knew he couldn't, and he knew it wouldn't do any good, but he could always wish or hope. That's how much he cared. So the question is, how much do you care? Do you care that people are dying and going to hell? Do you care that the gospel is the only way of salvation? Do you care that people are not going to call on someone that they've never heard of? And that's why we carry out the Great Commission. But you're not going to do it if you don't care. And Daniel cared, and Daniel took advantage of these crisis situations for the glory of God, and so should you. Conclusion, God has commanded us to take the gospel everywhere, Matthew 28, 19 through 21, and given us the power to do so, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I am convinced that he also gives us the opportunities. Now, when I pray for opportunities, I have one thing in mind. Give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to share. When I say that, God may say, I'm going to, but it's not going to look like what you thought. It may be the threat of a burning, fiery furnace. It may be an angry, upset king who has threatened to slaughter all of the wise men if they can't tell him his dream. It may be something troubling like what we read about today. I don't know, but I do know that it's God who gives us opportunities. May we, by the grace of God, as the people of God, take advantage of the opportunities that he gives us so that he might be glorified, so that people might be saved. And this is the part of Nebuchadnezzar's testimony of salvation that he's giving in this chapter. He is now worshiping God, has a personal relationship with God, and it came through turmoil and trouble. And because God used his man, Daniel, in the midst of that trouble. In other words, Daniel had to get his hands dirty in the trouble of another person. Now, granted, he didn't have any choice in the matter. And when you think about it, neither do you and neither do I. Why? Because we're forced by an earthly king to do so? No, because we are led by a sovereign king of heaven to be involved in it. It's no accident that you're involved in people's lives and in the dirty details of their lives. And many times that is indeed how God works. So let's look and let's take advantage and don't let troubled times go to waste. God is working in and through you. So thank you for the time you've taken to watch this video. I appreciate it very much. And I'm praying God will bless you as you teach this lesson by first applying it to your own life in your own heart, and then as you on Sunday morning teach it, may the truth of it spill out from your heart to every member of your class that our church may be changed for the glory of God. There's somebody hurting that you can witness to, and there's your opportunity. God bless you, and thank you so much for your time, and we'll see you again 
next week for another lesson in the life of Daniel.